Welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. You're listening on EWTN Radio or St. Gabriel Radio. Beyond Damascus is carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hey, friends, and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My name is Brad Pierre, and I'll be the host for today's show, and I'm joined in the illustrious Damascus studio with my two friends and brothers in Christ, Dan Dimite and Aaron Richards, and it's so good uh, to be here in the Lenten season. We've uh, we've been doing some episodes here, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> so like we're uh, we're talking about relentlessness, uh, and oh, we've talked yeah. about relentless pursuit, a relentless pursuit that God has for us, the relentless pursuit that we respond with uh, to Him, and then relentless prayer, relentless fasting, and today we're going to talk about relentless almsgiving. So um, it's a very Lented package for us. You guys excited about almsgiving? I could not be more excited. Could not be more excited. <laughs> well, with that excitement, Aaron, you want to uh, start us with prayer? Of course. In the name yeah. of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, you show us what it's like to give. Uh, St. John Paul II reminds us, man cannot know himself apart from the complete total gift of himself. And I pray that you'd light our hearts on fire today to give ourselves away. And that through this uh, discussion on almsgiving, Lord, that you'd touch a part in us that may need to be um, reignited, re-educated, re-inspired mm-hmm. on how to enter into this beautiful invitation and expectation that your church offers. Uh, God, give us hearts that are receptive and ready to be transformed. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, you can't say almsgiving without giving. So I want to start with the second part of that word. And um, I, I think that it's been, it's been cool in my Lenten season. There's been a song that I've been like constantly kind of going back to. Uh, and the song is You Remain. And yeah. there's, a, there's, a, there's a bridge to that song that I've talked about uh, on a previous episode, but that I, I want to bring back here to kind of lay a foundation for our conversation today. And uh, the, the bridge to this song says, um, when I see your face, I'll wish I had given more away, right? That like every, everything that I'm acquiring, one day it's just going to be you. I, I wish like that I would know now what I'll know then, which is that like everything else is lost to the infinite good of knowing you. I wish I'd given more away. And um, I was thinking about today's episode and wanting to start with giving because like giving is just all over scripture. It's the, the nature of God is to give and he's put that nature in us. So we were made to give. Like in the beginning, God gives his word and creation flows from it, right? Um, like it's, it's, a, it's from that word. He, he gives his breath into what he's formed from the ground. And there's man. Uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that all who would believe in him might not perish, but have eternal life. You have like um, Jesus himself saying, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So I think let's just like um, start with the essential nature of giving. Like when you guys think about um, just being Christian, why is giving such an important part of it? I think no one tackles us more brilliantly than John Paul II, the theology of the body. Yeah. But the, he, he, theology of the body truly is a human anthropology. What does it mean to be human? And ultimately he goes to this discovery of, Genesis and then this unpacking of um, some of the the key gospel texts from Jesus and you he kind of comes to this conclusion that to be human is to be gift that the very nature of man is to be a gift uh, and so like we truly find our own being our essence our nature in giving it's, yeah. and 
it's in giving that we receive, if you will, the scripture says, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, he, he would say that man doesn't even discover who he is, his own humanness mm-hmm. until he gives himself away. That mm-hmm. it's truly this, the gift is it, it's, we discover our essence, our nature through that. So yeah. it just boils down to everything, like everything of who we are. We were designed like God mm-hmm. because God is gift to be made in the image and likeness of God means that I was made to be gift. Yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty good, Dan. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty, uh, (laughs) it's a hard thing to unpack quick. No, it is really good. His, the TOB is just so beautiful. When it harkens back to what you were saying in your prayer at the beginning. I actually quoted that. Yeah. 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 (laughs) The, and, and John Paul II defines it in the same way. He, he, he sets out that that wasn't just your beautiful reflection on theology body. He, he outlines that this is intended to be an adequate anthropology. Yeah. Right. So the understanding that we created in the image and likeness of God are created in the image and likeness of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. And, and the Trinity is, is giving and receiving. Like this That's is, right. this is giving, receiving, reciprocating, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and gift. There's, there's, there's nothing about that. That's optional. Yeah. And like, it's, it's not only, it's not only how we were created, it's our ultimate destiny as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. So there's, there will be no selfishness in heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as we come to more fully embrace that reality of of becoming gift, yeah, right, it just prepares us for the heavenly reality. That's well, right. And even to, it's a gift of self, um, which mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. always requires some sort of sa- sacrifice. Um, which I'm not sure if you would say the Trinity's get mutual gift of self is a sacrificial gift, but you truly see in the life of Jesus on the cross this mm-hmm. the the greatest image of. Uh, of of gift of yeah uh, um is 100 sacrificial yeah so the, there's the element not just to give of oneself but to give yeah. in a sacrificial way not in a excessive way. yeah right well that's like, john 15 right yeah greater love has no man than this to lay down one's life for one's friends right to give to give of his life for his friends right and uh, i think that there's a uh, there's just so much evidence for it in scripture that this is what god wants for us right we even read that the lord loves a cheerful giver and it's funny because when you think about that, I, those, those might just be the same way of defining the same thing, right? Like you are cheerful when you're giving. And if you're a giver and you're truly giving in a way that's not counting the cost, you are cheerful. I don't and, know. Right? I've seen my kids giving in an uncheerful way sometimes <laughs> when I require yes. them to share. Yeah, that's fair. No, that's fair. I think what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is like, if we can understand the heart of what John Paul II is actually saying, there's no way we wouldn't be cheerful to yeah. give it away. There's just no way because what we would understand is that we were actually made to actually be gift. Like I was like all the gifts I've been given, I don't have to store for myself because they're not teaching me something about me. Those gifts are teaching me something about the gift giver. And then I can give them back away. Right. And like, cause you're right. When I was a child, I used to think as a child, reason as a child, but as the perfect comes, I've set aside childish things. Like yeah. we can let the partial um, pass away when we really step into like, Hey, this gift thing matters. Um, I was, uh, I was reflecting on just, uh, the missionaries, uh, yeses that they give here at Damascus recently, uh, in just in prayer, because we're in a season of discerning, uh, the, the next like batch of missionaries that will be under our formation and, uh, serving the young people that are entrusted to us here. And as I was thinking about like, what, what makes our two-year program so amazing? And the only answer I could come up with is it's that people give their lives for two years. Like that's the profundity of it. 
is I give two years of my life to someone else's control, to someone else's demands for the sake of building up the church. And as I was looking at that, I'm like, man, if we could have that in every element of the church, like what if that was my disposition with every yes I gave to my parish, every yes I gave to my family? Uh, I wonder what you guys think about that. That just was coming on my heart. And I was like, man, why I love our missionary program is it requires you to give a full yes. And there's something about us that yeah. was made to give a full Yeah. We, we used to, I mean, yes, absolutely. We, we used to, in our summer, in our summer programs here at, mm-hmm. at, at Damascus, we would have people who would come out for a week or two weeks or yeah. three weeks. And um, thank you, Jesus. And thank you to all of those people who gave sacrificially 100%. of their, yes, of their one and two and three weeks. And the first summer, this was 2016, mm-hmm. um, that we asked ourselves, like, what would it be like if we, if we invited people to give a complete yes? Yeah. Um, the entire game changed. Mm-hmm. Like the entire yeah. caliber, quality, commitment level of our missionary program, it transformed overnight. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember, I mean, we, we discerned that decision for, for months and mm-hmm. months because we didn't want to lose what we had. Mm-hmm. And after that year, looking back, there just wasn't even a question yeah. as to whether this was the way to go. Yeah. Right. Because it fosters something in you where right. uh, it, it's the difference between like between dating mm-hmm. and the maturity of, of marriage. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. Yeah. I've said, I've given you a yes. And I suppose there could be mature dating relationships too, yeah, but I've, sure. I've given you a yes that, that means that I've said no mm-hmm. to, to everything else. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so powerful. Yeah. The intentional gift to the one does exclude it from other things, but that's actually the beauty of it. Cause now I'm fully invested there. Right. Like, yeah, it's almost, <clears throat> I mean, you see this in the novitiate as well for a religious order. Um, it's not just the gift of self. It's the, the death to self. That's so powerful. It's mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. I love watching year one missionaries and just mm-hmm. over the course of year one, you watch them mm-hmm. go through this, like, death to self where the will mm-hmm. initially fights as you're saying they come under a schedule they come under order they yeah. come under obedience and mm-hmm. to watch the the will say i don't want that i don't want that i don't want that and then mm-hmm. finally it breaks mm-hmm. and it gives itself to the order mm-hmm. and then it flourishes yeah. and there's something about like the and that's why you have a novitiate that's so mm-hmm. structured and orderly in a religious community cuz the will has to break in order for the flourishing to happen. Yeah. And um, there's something when you give yourself mm-hmm. away, uh, yeah. it allows that um, that surrender to happen. That's right. Unless a grain of wheat fall to the ground and die, it remains mm-hmm. but a grain of wheat. And I think that's a really interesting perspective though, Aaron, because yeah, we've actually had like um, gradations of this, this uh, process in the last, you know, eight years here at Damascus or however long it's mm-hmm. been, right? Like there's been this like, okay, we're actually going to see if we can have our entire missionary staff stay for a whole summer. And now we have people staying during the year. And okay, well, they'll stay for one year. Well, now it's a two-year program. You can almost see that like the Lord was showing us like, hey, here's the gift I want you to invite people into, you know? And as we've done that, I do, I think there's been fruit that's come from that. And now you have people that are discerning like, am I, am I called to give a, a gift of like greater service indefinitely or maybe on our national team for a year, which is all awesome. But I don't think it's just in a postulate. So I think the, the reason I'm bringing that up is like, it, it was just on my heart how grateful I am that there are people that give to that. And then I started thinking, 
Well, if all of us would see every yes we give to the Lord as that, right? I give it away for whatever you have for me right now. You know, yeah. you have well, no, yeah, nothing happens without the gift. Yeah. So there's, I mean, <laughs> there's kids on campus right now. I see them at the rock climbing wall out the window. Like <laughs> yeah. the, they're not there if people don't say yes to giving their time to those kids. And so like mm-hmm. the mission of the church, whether it's evangelization or service to the poor, it, it nothing happens without the choice of someone giving. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, that's the the extent that we are able to grow our mission here and the extent to which the church is able to grow her mission is yeah. 100% dependent mm-hmm. on people giving themselves to mission. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so giving's important. It's, impo- it's important because we were made to do it. But I think that in the very same way that a lot of the things we were made to do, we struggle with, we struggle with giving, right? Like we want to like fight the impulse to give it all away all of the time. And so I want to spend a little bit of time there because I think we've, we've done well to share like the reason we were made to give is because the human person is designed to give. That's also one of the hardest things for us to do is give. And so I want to spend some time like maybe fleshing out exactly what we think to be the reasons that we struggle giving. I think one that we talk about here at Damascus a lot, I'd like to see what you guys have on it is um, sometimes we struggle to give because we, we, um, we conceptualize life in like zero sum terms that like, if I give this away, I lose something and someone might gain something. Like we, we sometimes here call it like, like an orphan mentality, right? That like the, the one providing for me, if I give this away, won't provide enough to replace it. Right. Uh, so I think there's some identity stuff in that, but, but I see this. And again, I, I only can see life through my own lens. I work in a postulate work where we're bringing missionaries in. This happens with missionary apostolates all the time. We don't want to give contacts of the people that have contacted us to others, even if they're best suited for the other people. And it's because this zero sum thing happens where it's like, if I give this away, I might not get anything in return. Right. And I think that's an apprehension, but I wonder what other apprehensions you guys see. Like if we were made to give, but we're not giving, there has to be some stumbling blocks. What are those stumbling blocks? When you look at just, so our capacity to give and our design to give is, a, is an invitation to participation in the life of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's the most valuable attribute of who we are as a human being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think that's the simplest answer of why we're inclined not to give is because it's also the most valuable target of the enemy. So mm-hmm. everything about sin is about my desire to take rather than to give. Yep. To the point where that's exactly original sin, mm-hmm. right? That, that we, our original parents took what they were meant to receive by grace. They took for themselves, not trusting in the, in the gracious gift of the Father. So, I don't know. To, uh, to not fall down the rabbit hole of getting, of getting super theological no, sure, and sure. reflection here, I, I don't think there's any separating Mm-hmm. The fact that, yeah, you, you you watch the little videos of the three-year-old sitting in front of the marshmallow, right? Yeah. And uh, the it's it's built into our into our fallen nature mm-hmm. that this is our propensity, like that that we will we will naturally be inclined in this way. Mm-hmm. But then also the beautiful invitation to fight your inclination. Yeah. Because because there's there's grace there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, and when you take, you can't fully receive. Isn't that kind of profound too? Because you were mentioning that, Dan, that we were made to give and receive. And then you were echoing that back because of the life of the Trinity. They're always giving and receiving. Like when I take, I never truly receive. 
And, and that's, a, that's, that's forfeiting something I was made for too. It's actually in giving that I receive, right? Um, but in taking, I can never really receive. Nor- I think one of the biggest handicaps <clears throat> for us giving is uh, we, don't, we don't plan for margins in our life. And whether mm. that's giving of our time or giving of our treasure, uh, that we, we haven't actually planned for the margin. And mm-hmm. so when I, when I don't plan for the margin in my schedule, when someone says, hey, I really need to talk to you about this, I'm like, I don't have time to talk about it because I didn't, yeah. I didn't plan for the margin. I, sh- I shoved too much in the schedule. So literally, I don't have any more to give, even though that person's in need and there may be an area where I want to give, I just don't yeah. have it. Mm-hmm. And I think that happens a lot with our finances. Uh, you know, if, if you make X, X, dollars a year mm-hmm. well, and then you, you choose to buy a house that really straps you financially yeah. to make your mortgage and then you choose to buy a, a car that straps you mm-hmm. with the car payment all of a sudden your margin of giving has has decreased so significantly that it's not that you don't desire to give it's that mm-hmm. you've broken the margin and you you may see the person in need really want to serve, but you made Mm -hmm. choices not to prepare for the margin. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio. You can listen to the whole version of today's show at www.ewtn.com slash radio slash podcasts. Or check us out on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. We'll be right back with this episode after a short break. He was a scholar, a preacher, a Capuchin Franciscan, and a defender of Christendom. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Lawrence of Brindisi was one of the most respected preachers in the 17th century, but he also helped raise an army against the Ottoman Turks when they invaded Hungary in 1601. He led the troops to victory against the Turks, carrying only a crucifix. He was declared a Doctor of the Church in 1959. To find out more about the Doctors of the Church, visit EWTN.com and click on Catholicism. One of the reasons we should go to Mass is because it is the food of the saints that we receive. And for the saints, they understood rightly that the time after Holy Communion, that those moments are the most precious moments of our lives. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, live from the EWTN Chapel, every morning, 8 Eastern, on EWTN Radio and Television. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. The reason that giving in the abstract is good to kind of start with is because I think a lot of times when we start talking almsgiving, we go straight to finance and then all of a sudden people are a little wary on like, why are we talking about finance specifically right now? It can poke things. But like, if we can recognize that we were made to give everything to the Lord, right? Like all of my, all of mine is yours, Lord. Then what we can begin seeing is everything he's given me is a gift. Every resource I have is, is his and I want to use it how he desires me to. Mm-hmm. Then I can get to finance where it's like, that's a resource that the Lord gives plentifully to a lot of people. And to some people, not as plentifully, but in all of that, it's his, right? Mm-hmm. And so how can we give it back to him? Uh, I, was, uh, I was doing some work for our, um, 
our, our boot camps that we run for our missionaries to teach them mission support raising, which is ultimately um, for anyone listening, it, it's the way by which our missionaries make a living. They make a living by bringing on mission partners who give financially so that our missionaries can give of their time, effort, and mission to the young people that come here to Damascus. And it's an amazing partnership because now all of a sudden you have these um, people that cannot come to Damascus for a two-year program because of state and life or whatever. They give of their financial resource to a missionary who can. And now that financial resource plus that missionary's time equals impact. That's yep. amazing, right? Yep. That's amazing. And so I was doing a deep dive into like what the Lord says about money. And like, obviously, if the Lord wants us to operate this way, I want it to be his idea, not ours. And the Lord actually talks about money all of the time. So like outside of the kingdom of God. So Obviously, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God all the time. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like a pearl that was found in a, in a field, right? Like the only thing that is talked about more than money in scripture is the kingdom of God. The second is, is finance. It's money. And it's because God knew that it was a powerful resource that could be used in really powerful ways. And so um, when we're talking almsgiving, um, which we talk about in Lent all the time, almsgiving is giving to the poor, right? Giving to someone who is in need of that finance. St. Basil the Great says something crazy um, that I don't take seriously, quite frankly, and maybe I should, <laughs> but St. Basil says that for those of you who have two coats, you've actually robbed one from a brother. Mm -hmm. Like he took, he took almsgiving very seriously. And our church has for a long time. Now I'm not, I'm not building a theology around that, but I do think for us to get back to, man, that's a, that's a big statement. Um, but wonder like, when, when you think about giving to the poor, um, we've already talked about giving as like a general concept. Like, um, why is it important to give to the poor? Why, why should we see that as something that shouldn't just be for the Lenten season, but should be re-emphasized in the Lenten season so we can live it all the time? I, mean, I think the greatest thing is just to have the poor always before us. Um, mm -hmm. That Jesus, he said, he, he says, you know, whenever, whatever you did for the least of my brothers, you did for me. And keeping the poor in front of us is keeping Jesus in front of us. And, um, it, it's, it's, uh, there's, there's something about the heart that when it's sensitive to the suffering of man, uh, it, it becomes more like the heart of God. And so I think the, hmm. the absolute need of not just giving, um, and not just, uh, tithing, but, uh, specifically almsgiving, giving to the poor, that, there's something about okay. I need to keep in mind the um, the the face of Jesus and the poor, and mm -hmm. the more I can make that a part of my daily life, I think the more my heart becomes like the heart of the Father. Mm -hmm. um, it just is. It's transforming. Yeah, and and they're not easy to always like. It's not always easy to. Sometimes it is. Sometimes you look at the poor, and your heart is just filled with mercy, and your heart is tenderized by them. Sometimes your heart looks at the poor and you're frustrated and you're sure. angry because of the choices sure. they've made or the lifestyle that they're they're doing. And um, so it's not like it's it's not always easy. It actually creates this war within us to see not Jesus, not just when it's easy to see Jesus in the face of the poor, but to see Jesus when it's hard to see Jesus in the face of the yeah, poor. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. I like what you were saying about the the father's heart. I wonder if it's uh it it's it's that the father's heart gives where there's a need, right? Like that, the, the fundamental disposition of the father is giving where there's need, mm -hmm. right? So, so I am developing the heart of the father whenever I'm seeing a need and desiring to give to it, right? Uh, and in the poor, it's, ob I mean, it's obvious that 
there's a, a resource they don't have that I have at least a little more than they do, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I love Litton traditions of like the rice bowl, right? Like the Paris sure. rice bowl where you fill the, the little thing with change yeah. and um it uh which is awesome. And yeah. I it just yeah. like we even want to make that more human though. So it's not just about filling the rice bowl with change. Like I did that all the time as a kid by like, but I never thought like, you know, eight years of Catholic school, like in elementary school, we had competitions that who could fill the rice bowl more and which class yeah. could raise yeah. the most change. And it was fun and it was like get almsgiving, but we weren't actually thinking about the poor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? sure, like, we sure. were like the heart disposition uh, uh, of me when I was doing the rice bowl mm -hmm. was never oh, wait, there's actually children that are starving without mm -hmm. food. Mm -hmm. And I think making sure that even in our almsgiving, that there's an intentionality that I'm not just throwing money in the basket. I'm My my heart is being linked with these people mm -hmm. um, because that's that's Jesus. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, that I think that's, that is the connection piece that I'm seeing develop, right? That mm -hmm. Brad, you made the comment that it, it invites us to adopt and to, and to demonstrate the heart of the father. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I think back to like the various areas where I have seen great fruit in mm -hmm. giving to the poor, um, ultimately, yeah, it's by like, it's, it's by entering into a difficult and unique type of relationship mm -hmm. that something is stripped away from me that ultimately leads me into a place of a greater capacity to love. Yeah. Like to, to demonstrate the love that the father offers. That's right. Well, and Jesus says the poor will always be with us, which has always been fascinating to me. Because again, I know we've been talking about this like ad nauseum through this Lenten series, but like he, he, he permits things that actually bless the people he's trying to bring into his own life. Like if, if poverty is going to be permitted forever, if they're always going to be with us, then we need to tend to them forever. And that's obviously because there's something that happens in that that's good for them and good for me. And I don't mean that in like a self-aggrandizing way. I mean it in a very like wholesome way. Like Mother Teresa, one of her reflections that always gets me is like she, she was talking about like her service in Calcutta and how there was a very distinct moment where when she was just ministering to these really broken, sick, dying, dirty, disgusting, like in a very real way, like, like uh, humanity at its lowest part, that she started seeing the way the father looked with mercy on her. Yeah. And all of a sudden it, it shifted her heart to, to, to like even think about the way that we pray differently. Like when we pray that, that the Lord would forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In other words, Lord, if I don't forgive those around me, condemn me. Do what I'm doing to others to me, right? Forgive others as, or forgive me as I forgive others, right? In that same way, Lord, like, like give for my need in the same way I give to the needs of those around me. It becomes this like beautiful exchange that like gets us out of ourselves and into the game, right? In, into the game of holiness and into the game of mission. And, and back to those lyrics, like when I see his face, I'll wish I'd given more away. I really believe that's true. I, I like the more I've reflected on the, that line that seems so simple. It's like, yeah, like how can I I give more of of what matters to me? I think there's a. I, I want to maybe tackle this with you guys. I, I think that if we're being honest in the church today, I think sometimes people struggle talking about almsgiving because they find themselves in this place where it's tending towards this social justice mindset, where it's like we're just giving for the sake of giving. We just give to these things. But I would hearken back to 
um, Pope Emeritus Benedict, who said that the church forever exists to do three things. And we've talked about this on the show before too, but to worship, right? To evangelize and to care for the poor. And if you don't have all three of those, you don't really have any of them. They're, they're all they're all connected on purpose. So I wonder, like, if you guys see that, or maybe that's just uh, in some of the in some of the circles I find myself in. But I think sometimes we can we can almost consider almsgiving um, some liberal mandate that just makes me like a good person for doing it. But yeah. almsgiving is way deeper than just caring for a temporal need, right? It, it, there's something in it that's deeper than that. Yeah, I mean, the the two primary missions you see in the Acts of the Apostles, yeah. the, the very first two missions you see are the mission of evangelization mm-hmm. and the mission of caring financially for the needs of the the um, widow and orphan. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's really, bef- before the church set up hospitals, before the church set up schools, before the church mm-hmm. started all these nonprofits, it was preach the gospel yeah. and care for the needs of the poor. Mm-hmm. It, it was there just, that was the the natural uh, fruit of the Holy Spirit, the yeah. first fruit of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. if you will. And so, I mean, it's, it's part of our, our very, yes, it's part of our DNA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think there is that element of, um, it's been twisted so much nowadays in the modern context for social agendas. And mm-hmm. I think the, um, I, I like, uh, I know a few people who like whenever they're asked for money when mm-hmm. you're at the checkout, you know, they're like, would you like to round up for, uh, for blah, 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 you yeah, know, yeah, and everyone's yeah. like, yeah, sure. Round up, round up. And they give to, I, I'm, I'm always very cautious. I want to know where my money's going and what is, yeah. what does this organization stand for? And do they stand mm-hmm. for what I believe in? Right. And so mm-hmm. I think there is, um, conscious giving is important and conscientious mm-hmm. giving is important and knowing mm-hmm. Um, but the more the more human we make it, the more we understand this is what I'm giving to, this is what I stand for, this is what this organization stands for. Or even better, like I I prefer my almsgiving to to be to mm-hmm. the person at the gas station, right? That I have that I am able to interact with and know to mm-hmm. see, oh, is this person a person I want to invest in? And how do I want to invest in this person most effectively right now? Is it through prayer? Is it through almsgiving? And yeah. So I, I think making it more human and less agenda driven, yeah. I think is important. But then when we're giving to organizations, we do need to know what do they mm-hmm. stand for? That's good. Yeah. Well, I, I think, and I want to toss this over to you, Aaron, but I, I almost want to, <clears throat> I want to reclaim the beauty of that statement of social justice. Like justice in the so- social realm is really important. Yeah, it's absolutely. really important. But what's happened is it stood for social agenda, not for actual justice for a human person. Yeah. Right. And what I want is the just reality of the human person, which means they have an opportunity to flourish and to know that there's a God that loves them. Good. Right. Like that, if we can take that back. A couple, a couple weeks ago, we, I mentioned this in the last show, we, we were going through the cardinal virtues mm-hmm. with our missionaries. And the second cardinal virtue is the virtue of justice. Yes. Right. And in understanding what justice means, it means giving to each what he is due. Right. So, um, the the idea of a of a of a drive toward social justice is i mean it's beautifully simple yes <laughs> right yeah that that my my mission the mission of the church mm-hmm. the mission of the individual is that i would give to another what he is due yeah uh, it can't get much more simple than that and mm-hmm. the the most beautiful expression of that is that we give to we give to god first and foremost what he is due that's right right uh, the the 
the greatest commandment. Jesus even makes this connection himself. Mm-hmm. It's love God and love others. Yes, right? that's right. It's not, it's not first and second. Mm-hmm. Um, that each of these things are tied. That's right. So when we enter into a, you know, the typical sort of progressive uh, attachment to the phrase social justice, what, what often happens is that the drive toward the just worship of God is sacrificed as we orient toward the, the, the just um, service of others. Yeah. Right. And those things, they, they can't be separated or else, or else both of them lose their, their, their strength. It's right. It, well, yeah. also there's, <clears throat> I mean, the, the tricky part of that too, is that there's, there's such complication in a s- social structures, right? That course, there are yeah. different ways to solve like, problems. And so if charity is dealing with the problem in front of me and justice is dealing with the problem that is uh, the systematic start of the problem, there's so Mm. many different ways to say, this is how we're going to deal with that. And so that's where debate and disagreement But doesn't doesn't that go back to your point is like fundamentally, the more incarnational we can make that, the, the better it is. Oh, absolutely. Because human persons aren't predominantly systems. Yes. We're persons. Like we're actually ends in ourselves, right? That's, but we're getting back to John Paul II and a right ordered anthropology. I'm not simply a, a cog in a systematic machine. Mm-hmm. I'm a human person who is an end in myself, and you are too. And the more that we can get back to that, that's why it's important for everyone to give alms is because we need everyone to care for the poor. Yep. We don't just need one person to pull a bunch of money and give it kind of, I don't know, um, societally. We need people that interact with the people that are being cared for, right? Yeah. Which is what Mother Teresa did in Calcutta. It's what so many of our religious orders do. It's what we as lay people should really do. I, I love what you're saying though, Aaron. I don't, want, mm-hmm. I don't want to lose it because back to the justice point, like that's what Benedict would say is the reason those are the three parts of the church, worship, evangelization, and caring for the poor. It's justice. It's giving God what he's due. It's giving others what they're due. They're due an encounter with the God who loves them and they're due the resource to flourish. That's literally like his whole principle in that is a justice principle. And so like, I I think that if we can begin seeing almsgiving out, like outside of our like normal context, what we can begin seeing is God's resources for everyone. And he's given me this chunk of that resource to steward. And I want to use that for everyone. Like that, that is really the concept of almsgiving is like, Hey, I have some things that I don't fully need and I might even want them, but I don't fully need them. And, and those close to me who I've been called to steward in a particular way don't fully need them. What a gift it would be to give that to someone who might need it more than us. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio. You can listen to the whole version of today's show at www.ewtn.com radio podcasts. Or check us out on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. We'll be right back with this episode after a short break. EWTN, communicating the faith. I've only been Catholic for a little over a year. I converted from Baptist. My wife and and mother-in-law did too. Listen to you guys every day. I'm I'm really enjoying it. I always enjoy listening to you. Uh, Your folks are great. I hope you go for many more years. You guys have such a wonderful program. I've been a part of EWTN for years now, and I love to listen to it every day. 
EWTN uses the power of radio to reach people whenever and wherever they're searching for answers to questions about their Catholic faith. EWTN Radio is heard on over 500 domestic and international AM and FM radio affiliates. For a complete list of programs and how to hear EWTN Radio, visit EWTN.com and click Radio. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. I've wrestled with this like two coat thing a lot, you know, because you've got John the Baptist saying the same thing. And it's like the, but then it's like, well, shoot, like what's like, I've got two winter coats, but one's like a, a winter coat that I wear in like everyday use. And mm-hmm. then the other one's like a winter work coat. And like, yeah. it's like, yeah. well, I don't want to wear my everyday use coat when I'm out doing yard work, sure. like, because I'm going to destroy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the, now, Granted, it's, it's a different, not, it's a different it's, world. It's yeah, not, for it, sure. It yeah. is. It's a different world. And it's really hard for us though, because if we're not, um, if we're not examining our soul, if you will, or we're not examining our everyday choices, we'll, we'll probably end up accidentally just feeding ourselves as opposed to feeding the poor. Yeah. Well, I do see in, in Basil's comment, just, just so that we're on it, like, and I'd love to hear what you think, Aaron, but what's dispensable is the prescription. Okay, so he's prescribing that if you have two, give one away, right? That's dispensable. What's indispensable is the heart of why you're giving that one away, okay? So what's indispensable is, like, at the end of the day, if I have two coats and someone is literally dying out there, they're getting the other one, right? And then we can, like, that, that but, but of course, that's not always the, the position before us, but that, that disposition of the, again, I think it goes back to the heart of the father, which is, where there's a need, I want to give there, right? I, I mean, I'd love to see that. <laughs> I'm having a hard time coming up with a, with a good modern parallel. But at the same time, you know, yeah. I've, I've, served, I, I've served the poor for years down in Appalachia and mm-hmm. all of them have a coat. And, yeah. there's a, and there's a giant barn full of extra coats. Yeah, so, right, like, right. Yeah, so that it, it just doesn't check out the way that... And thank goodness that we yeah. live in a society of where even, even those who are desperately yeah. poor... Can yeah. have access to things mm-hmm. through the generosity of others and organizations. Agreed. Um, so, so yeah, maybe maybe yeah. the like Danny was saying, like the coat, the coat thing might fall apart. But but what is that? Uh, what's what's the modern parallel to that for for me? Yeah. Well, yeah. and it also gets to the purpose of giving too, right? Like, I think sometimes in my alms giving, I, I I I still go down to the campus at Ohio State a lot. And down there, there's just a number of guys that I know by name. I've known them since I was in college. And just, um, there's times when we go and get food. And when I'm getting them food, I know they can get food through a different means. Like, I, I, I know that they've gotten some money that day, they're, but they're asking for food. And there's this, uh, there's this place in my heart that used to get calloused by that, that used to be like, I'm just doing my due diligence as a Christian to give to someone who's asking without Good. really knowing. Yeah. But then uh, over time, I was like, well, Lord, actually, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna make this in the heart of prayer and fasting too. That this is this is money that I'm not gonna use for my food. I'm gonna use for theirs. Okay, so like I'm I'm like gonna fast from not eating right now and buy it for them. I'm also gonna pray that in getting them this, the money that they have that they could be using on food would be used for something that's not to their destruction. Like we can actually begin oriented, like orienting 
prayer, fasting, and almsgiving together, which I think has been a beautiful mm. reflection we've been having throughout this Relentless series, is that like these are three things that are at the heart of Christianity on purpose. That like we want to pray, fast, and give alms, not just in the Lenten season, yes, in an intentional way in the Lenten season, but so that it gives us a structure and a reminder that we're called to be doing these things all the time. Um, I want to I want to kind of spread almsgiving out a little bit, and we were mentioning this before the show, so I thought it'd be at least worth talking about here. Almsgiving in a very particular way is an act of charity giving to the poor. It, it has the financial component to it. The other thing that has a financial component to it is one of the precepts of the church, which is tithing to the church. And so I, I think we would be remiss to talk about almsgiving without tithing because almsgiving is suppo- supposed to be something we do in addition to tithing. But if we're not already tithing, we should probably start doing both, you know? And uh, I think it, it saddened me when I was doing my MSR um, like prep work a, a number of years ago that like the, the average Catholic gives less than 2% of their salary to the church. Um, that, that's just, that's, uh, that's shocking that's, that number is so high. It, it, yeah, right. <laughs> but it's, it's also, it's so sad. Yeah. It's so sad because like you give to what you believe in, right? Like, man, this beautiful church we've been given, like, let's, let's, let's give there. And, and again, I think it's important to touch on it because God talks about God in the flesh. Jesus talks about mammon and God and not being able to serve both and how this is like a big thing for us. It also is interesting that the Lord holds us through his beautiful um, prescriptions in his church to an old Testament reality, not a new Testament reality, right? Like in the old Testament, you gave 10% to the Levites, to the, to the, the, the people that led the prayer, you know, to missionary, like the missionary tribe of Israel. Um, now, like we're, we're hearkening back to that, but in the new Testament, in the acts of the apostles, when you didn't give everything, you were struck dead, you know? And it's like, man, there's actually a mercy that the Lord's trusting me to give 90% in other ways. But I wonder just like thoughts on tithing. Like, I, I think that number shocked me. I think it's probably the same reason we're apprehensive about giving in general, but um, maybe just some words, reflections, convictions around tithing. I mean, I would just go back to the margins, right? Like if I, if I don't have margins in my life to give, I'm not going to give, uh, even if I have a desire to. So I think most, most people have a heart that they desire to give. Um, <clears throat> and I would say most, if you asked most Catholics, do you wish you could give more? They would say yes, <laughs> right? Like they're all going to, we're all yeah, going to say point. we want to give more and then but then we don't go to the next question and say, okay, well, what changes in your life you're willing to make? Yeah, are you willing to make so that you can give more? And hey, we we ask that for prayer, right? Like we we're always asking, how can I give more time in prayer? Like, and how's mm-hmm. God asking me to give more time in prayer? I think we we ask that in our service of uh, to <clears> the church. Like, how can I serve more? Like, how can I give back to my parish more in my time and my talent? Um, I don't know if we usually ask ourselves that w- as readily with finances, yep. um, because it's 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 almost always okay. Well, the uh, and it is it's just hard because the world's always asking for more <laughs> of our finances, right? And so it, there there requires a lot of intentionality of asking, okay, how can I give more here? If yeah. I if I'm feeling a call to give more, what what changes can I make to my life to open up the margins to give more? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I'm, where I'm led toward here is make the decision to give before the cause has presented itself. Yep. Um, yeah. I think I think oftentimes in in our mind we fall into the trap of thinking I will give 
when the cause is justified, right? I'll, yes. I'll, I'll give to the, I'll give to the beggar that I am convinced won't waste it. That sells me. Yeah. Right. Or I'll give to the charity that, that touches my heart. Mm-hmm. And the, the problem with that is that you're never going to find, you know, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe once in a blue moon, you find the right fit, mm. but it's not only once in a blue moon that you're called to give. It's every day. Yeah. So we've, I know we've talked on the show a number of times over the last couple of years, but like making a decision uh, through the practical reality of, okay, I will have a separate, I'll have a separate bank account into which I deposit mm-hmm. a determined percentage of my, of my income. Mm-hmm. And that's my job is, is not to, uh, is not to decide, is this cause worth giving, but it's just to empty that bank account because the yeah. gift, because the gift has already been determined. That's really good. Yeah. There is something about what you guys are saying that I'm, I'm just, I'm, it's dawning on me. Cause I do think sometimes in the giving, we can think it's because people are greedy or something like that, but that's actually not my m- most common experience with people in the church. I think a lot of times it is that like we wait until we need to be reactive instead of being proactive. Yeah. And then when we're reactive, we're, we're almost like in the like analysis paralysis, you know, like it's like, uh, too much to analyze. I'm just going to do it next time. And then the next time, and then I'm going to do it next time, you know? But you're right. Like if we, if we plan and prepare, like we plan like, Hey, this, this is going to be like the portion of our schedule that's yeah. given to prayer. This is going to be the, the part of our week that's given to fasting. This is the part of our budget that's given to giving. It's, yeah. Whether it's almsgiving or tithing, we can discuss later, you know, but this amount is going to be given to something that's for the other. If you saw a beggar on a street and they had all kinds of luxuries around them and plenty of food sitting in front of them, you'd say you don't need anything else. And I feel like the the modern context for the average Catholic in America is we just, we give our kids so much. And we're always mm-hmm. like, well, we need to give our kids more and we need to give our kids more and we need mm-hmm. to give our kids more. Our kids have enough. Like so many of us, we're not giving more to the needs of the church or to the needs of the poor because we're just we're gluttonizing, if you will, financially our children. Mm-hmm. And the uh, I, I think that's where like examine and and I mean I I'm guilty of it myself as well. But I think examining like to what extent are we actually overfeeding our children? Yeah. Um, so that we're which makes it impossible for us to have hmm. like if you saw a person with a ton of stuff right now two beggars one that had nothing and one that had a whole bunch you'd say well clearly I'm going to help the one that has nothing but we're hmm. uh, our children have enough hmm. <laughs> and hmm. there's this weird um this this weird uh keeping up with the Joneses thing that mm-hmm. just makes us feel like we have to keep giving our kids more and more and more and more. I feel like we want to protect them from wanting sometimes. Yeah. So we don't want them to want for anything. But I, I as a spiritual director of mine, when I was like first in my conversion, he, he would, he would say something along the lines of like, if you want for nothing, you'll never realize you need anything that like, like if, if like you need to want, because the want produces in you, the understanding that I actually am in you know, and like, and like, I think a lot of times in the, in the church, because we want to, I, I think it's an identity thing. Honestly, I think it's because we want to be good parents and we want to be seen as good parents and we want to be seen as good, um, husbands and wives and all these things. The way by which we know to do that is by providing excessively 
But what that then does is lead them not to want anymore, which leads them to wonder if they really need the whole God thing anyway. It can just play against us. So I think what you're saying is like brilliant. What are your thoughts on that, Aaron? With like the, that analogy is sweet. Cause you're right. If you saw someone on the street corner, you would, you'd be like, I don't need to give you anything because yeah. you already have more. But for whatever reason, that shifts sometimes when it's someone that I'm entrusted. Yeah. There's a, there's a real value of, of simplicity. Um, and it, it just takes, it takes building habits to maintain. So the reality is, I think this is a reflection of our lived experience of culture, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that just happens to be most of the audience for our podcast. So yeah, yeah like pursuing places of, of realizing, yeah, my tendency is to invest too much in my own wants. Yeah. My tendency yeah. is to invest too much in what my kids want. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can I do to proactively pursue simplicity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's good in the beauty of the church that we have a season like Lent um, or Advent each year to remind ourselves like, okay, uh, fasting, fasting, almsgiving, prayer, penance, like these are things that aren't just because God's a masochist. Like, right, right. These are things that are necessary for you. You, yep, yep. And for the upbuilding of like, and for the upbuilding of the church, that the church could be who she was made to be. And I think that's kind of where I want to land uh, is that like in this Lenten season, this, this idea of relentless pursuit, relentless pursuit that God has for us, relentless pursuit that we in turn give back to God. And then the, re- the relentlessness that we're called to bring into prayer and fasting and to almsgiving is all oriented towards becoming what God has intended for us to become, which is like, just like the, the fullness of like his love. Like that's what we're supposed to live in always. And the way that we can do that is by recommitting to these things in this season. Um, on, the, on the almsgiving tithing front, just to put a bow on that, I think that like in the same way that we want to make very specific goals in prayer and fasting, and I think a lot of times almsgiving can be something that we don't put as many like um, specific things on. Right. So like during Lent, I'm going to fast from caffeine and I'm going to pray 15 minutes every day. Right. You'll hear that all the time when you ask someone like, Hey, how are you going to engage Lent this year? I think very rarely is there a very specific almsgiving note on there. Yeah. And I would encourage everyone listening. If you're already almost through Lent, think to yourself, like what have been some of the areas that have touched your heart in this Lenten season? And how can you, how can you give to that? Maybe it's the poor in this particular region of the world or the, the poor, well, you mentioned widows and orphans. Maybe it's like one of those two um, collective bodies of people, but really asking that question. And then secondly, if this has inspired you today, the conversation, think about your tithing. Like that's not optional. Tith- giving money to the church is not something you do when you have extra cash in your wallet on Sunday. It, it's, it's a precept of the, like you are not Catholic if you're not doing that, right? And it's not because the church is greedy. It's because the church wants you to play a part in it. Yeah. The church wants your resource. The church needs your resource, financial, time, talent, treasure, all that stuff. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, I mentioned thoughts? earlier that the kids out of the rock climbing wall, they're not, they're not being served if, if we don't have people giving their time to serve them. And mm-hmm. likewise, they're not being served if we don't have people giving their resources to serve them. And mm-hmm. the, the church grows its mission by mm-hmm. time and uh, and, and finances. It's just, yeah. it really is the gift of my life 
and the gift of my finances helps grow the missional work of the church. I would also say the as I love how you say because we do give specific areas for prayer and fasting a lot, and not necessarily with almsgiving. I think that's important to do, and it doesn't just have to be hey, I'm going to give X number of dollars to this charity, but mm-hmm. um, I would really encourage people like if if you're not around the poor often, mm-hmm. use Lent to to get yourself around them more. So if that means going to a gas station that you don't usually go to. I'd rather you go to a gas station you don't usually go to, have a conversation with a poor person and give them $5, then throw $25 in a basket. Mm-hmm. Like I think there's... Because something's going to happen in that interaction that's going to grow you and grow that person. And mm-hmm. um, I think there's there's power in that. And the using this time in the church to help be mindful of, oh, okay, how can I... How can I not only fuel the financial needs of the poor, but also mm-hmm. just the needs of their heart. It's really good. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, I think end it there. I, I, um, I, I think what I, I want to say here in conclusion, just for us, but also for all of you listening is just that like, let's, let's recommit to living relentless lives, lives that, that don't stop when things get hard lives that don't stop when questions get difficult lives that don't leave questions rhetorical, but seek to answer them. Like, okay, why am I struggling to give here? I want to give more. What, why am I falling into this um, like lackadaisical state where I'm not praying? Like, I want to answer that. So um, if anything, uh, if anything happens this Lent that's different than ever, let it be this, that we don't give up as easily. And that we know that because God is pursuing us relentlessly, we can pursue him relentlessly. And let's do that through prayer, fasting and almsgiving. Let's pray quick and then uh, and close up for today. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Jesus, thank you so much for the gift of your church. Thank you for the ways that your church teaches us. And thank you specifically for the seasons of the church that teach us how to live the seasons of life. Thank you for this Lenten season that brings us back into prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. We pray, God, that our eyes would be open to see these amazing realities in different ways, that we would see all of the beauty and goodness you desire to give to us by partaking in these three essentials of the Christian life. Lord, let our pursuit of you be relentless. Let it be a pursuit that doesn't stop, that doesn't yield, that doesn't wait, but moves forward so that we can move forward into eternity with you. Jesus, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for uh, joining us here at Beyond Damascus. We want to make sure to give um, just so much of our affection to our sponsors at St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. They make this podcast possible. They've made this Lenten series possible. And if you've been blessed by this Relentless series, maybe just the episode today, maybe you've joined us for all five of them. What we would encourage you to do is to like and subscribe to this channel, share some of these episodes with people that you think would be really blessed by them. And let's continue to relentlessly pursue others in mission because the encounters that you're having through this faith formation are meant to be shared with those in your life that can benefit from it too. So we'll look forward to that journey with you guys and we'll see you next week here at Beyond Damascus. God bless. Friends, thanks for listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. You can listen to the whole version of today's show by searching for Beyond Damascus on YouTube or your favorite podcast app.